0: If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 4 as we're journeying in through this wonderful book of encouragement and instruction and challenge. And uh, we have now come to the fourth chapter. And uh, last week we looked at, uh, we're, we're in a race, right? Remember, we've talked about all that. We're in a race. And uh, we are now uh, looking forward to the finish line. Our dear brother has already alluded to that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ could come and come at any time. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of ready for it. And so we, we understand we're getting closer, aren't we? We're, we're in the closer. We now see that even the secular world knows something's fixing to happen. They can't explain it all. Of course, they explain it with all kinds of foolishness. But they know there's something in the air, we know that our uh, Jewish friends—they're—they're expecting something to take place. Uh, they're looking for, of course, the first coming, and we're looking for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, if you're a believer or a non-believer, we just know we're getting closer to something. And so, as we're running this race, we're keeping our eye on the prize. Remember. And uh, we're, we're 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 in this, and uh, we need encouragement. I'm telling you, we need encouragement more than we've ever needed. Not because of oh, what's going on within us, but because we're getting closer and closer to the time. And there's a lot of people who have not heard the gospel. There's a lot of people that are lost and dying and going to hell. And I'm telling you, folks, it's time for us to roll up our sleeves, start digging our, uh, our, our whales, start building our wall, and start running the race because Jesus is coming and He's coming soon. So, with that understanding, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to see this evening the D's that damage. Or you could call it the four D's that can cause damage. Now understand, we're in the race and we're going to have hurdles. Satan's doing everything he can to mess our race up. He's doing everything he can uh, to help us to get discouraged. He's doing everything he can to get us tripped up. He's, he's doing everything he can that can cause division. We see all of that taking place. And you just go ahead, sum it to it. All that's taking place is all orchestrated from the Satan and his demonic forces. And they want us to see it. they want us to see us not finish. They want us to fall. They want us to go away. But we have a race to run, and you need to make a commitment. I need to make a commitment that we are in it to finish it. Amen. By the way, the Lord Jesus has already finished it. We're, we're, just, we're just going to want to, want to be able to tang the prize that's been set before us. So with that thought, in Philippians chapter 4, here's what Paul says. Therefore, remember we always... Ask the question, what's that therefore? The therefore is because of what has transpired in the last chapter that we looked. Okay? So we're we're, we're, we're in the race. We got our eyes on the prize. He says, now, with that understanding, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved. Now, I want you to listen at the word usage that's going on here. He's my dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Now, before we move on, in verse number one, we're going to see that first D that can cause damage, and that word is defeated we got to make sure that we're running this race. we got to make sure that we're staying on course. We need to make sure we're playing by the rules. Why? Because if we take the, uh, our eyes off the author and finish of our faith, we're going to be defeated. Amen. By the way, that's what Satan wants us to take place. He wants us to be defeated. But notice here the, uh, the word usage here. These, the beloved and longed for. Paul had a deep affection for these people. He loved these people. He he wanted to be with these people. He uh, he just had a a love that just uh, was not superficial. It was a deep, abiding love. Now, how did he get this love for his people? First of all, uh, Romans 5, 5 tells us, talks about hope there. And how do we have hope? We have hope because the Lord has put, spread his love within our hearts. Amen. See, love goes far, far deeper than what the world says is love. See, we love one another because He first loved us. And when He loved us, we understand it was an unconditional love. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so when we understand that and when we receive Him as our Master and as our Savior, that love that He had for all of us now has been placed upon us. And because that love's been placed in us, we ought to be able to outwardly show the love and affection we have for one another. Because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're in this race together. Together. Let let me say Together we're in this race. And so he says that we have this love and we have this affection. Now look how, how, how much he loves them. He refers to them as his joy and his crown. Amen. Now that word crown is used in three different ways. The first way is that they would receive a crown if they were in an athletic contest. Remember, Paul uh, made uh, quite a mint of uh, references to athletic games. He was familiar with the Greek games and uh, the Olympic games. And uh, when you would win a contest, they would place a laurel over you and that would crown you as the winner. But also we see the crown is used when uh, your peers are wanting to recognize you for your successes. They have a banquet and uh, they uh, uh, give you a crown, which means that they're showing their appreciation for you and they're showing that you uh, have achieved and you've been successful. But the third way that we see crown use is a picture of gladness. And so here Paul talks about the love that he has for them. He says, where my greatest joy comes from is knowing you. And then he goes and he says, you make me happy. That's, that's what he's saying. He says, you make me happy. He says, I rejoice. Just the thought of you causes something to stir up in me. So here's the first question that we must answer tonight. Do you have that type of love for your brothers and sisters? Do you have an affection for them? Do you really does it does it really make your day to know that you're going to be with your brothers and sisters on a Wednesday night? Does it really make your day to know that on Sunday morning you're going to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Does it really stir you up to think that I get another opportunity on Sunday night to be with my brothers and sisters and the Lord Jesus Christ? See, Paul is telling us we must be careful and we must understand that if we are not in this thing together and if we're not expressing our love to one another and if we don't have joy, in one another, and if we don't make each other uh, uh, elated and, and joyful, then we will be defeated. Uh, so, we see here after that, he tells them to stand fast. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 6, you're all familiar with this. In Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse number 10, he talks about putting on the armor, it talks about being strong in the Lord. And in verses 13 and 14, we see that word stand or withstand. We see it in those two verses, 13 and 14, he uses that word four times. Stand fast. It's a military term. It means to claim what has already been taken. Now, we see uh, another uh, illustration. Watchman Nee was a great Chinese Evangelist. And Watchman Nee said this about spiritual warfare. By the, by the way, this race that we're, we're, there, uh, we're in, we're encountering not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of the air. Satan is throwing everything he can. And so as we're running this race together, he says, we must stand fast. Watchman Nee explained it this way. He says, when you're dealing with spiritual warfare, you can deal it in two different ways. First of all, you can deal it with offensive warfare. That means that you do not have, so you go fight for it. Amen. By the way, Jesus Christ fought our war offensively. Because when he went to Calvary, he claimed our victory. Amen. And so we don't have to fight for our freedom and our victory. We're fighting from it. And so here we see, offensively speaking, but that's not where we're talking about here. It's talking about that we are to be defensive. That means that we're not having a fight for it. It's already been taken care of. But we are supposed to my granddaddy would say it like this, hunker down, boys, hunker down. We are supposed to go ahead and claim this belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his church. This is my, brother, my brothers and sisters. And we are on the winning team. And we don't have to fight for it. We just stand, but we must stand fast. But not only does he stop there and helps us to understand about standing fast. But we also see, if we do not stand fast, then verses 2 and 3. Now, you're still in Philippians. Look at verses 2 and 3. Y'all with me? And he says, and I beseech. Now, these two ladies, I, 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 I don't know anything about Well, I know something about them because of the meaning of their name. But I don't know if they were really thrilled about the names they got. Now, we've had some babies uh, born uh, here lately in the church, had some little girls. None of these names popped up. (laughs) Now, I I always mispronounce them, but uh, Rebecca told me this, my sweet daughter. She says, Daddy, just say it real fast. They won't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a good, a good way to me. So, so he talks about, in verses 2 and 3, he's talking about some division. That's the second D that can cause damage. He says, and I'll beseech Judas, or Udias. In the Hebrew, it means sweet fragrance. That's what the word means. And then he says, i also beseech. Sentiki. Now, y'all can go ahead and laugh all you want to, but I'm going to go around and I'm going to start asking y'all to pronounce it. See how well y'all do. <laughs> That's close enough. That's right. It's sort of like government work. Close enough. Okay. He says. So he he, he now notice. I, I'm just it just popped in my head. He 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 named the names. <laughs> he, says, he says, now these two sweet ladies, and by the way, they were sweet ladies. The, the, their names meant sweet fragrance and also Santiki, or however you want, or Contiki, or you know. <laughs> she was polite. That's what the name means, polite. Very kind, very warm. So both of these ladies, by the meanings of their names, were not mean, nasty women. They were sweet women. He goes on and says that uh, they, that they, uh, that they be of the same mind. Did you catch that? He didn't beat up on them, call them out. Or he just said, uh, I'm encouraging them to be of the same mind in the Lord. Amen. Then verse 3. He says, And I also entreat the also true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement, also and with other men, My fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. So here's what we got going on. There's some division in the body. These two women. Now, these two women were believers. It says that their names, along with the other yoke fellows, their names were written in the book of life. Outside of the book of Revelation, this is the only other usage we see where it refers to as the book of life. They're believers. They're laborers. They helped in the ministry. They're not some pagans. They're believers. And for whatever the cause, they got crossed up. What does he do? He says, my fellow yoke fellow... We do not know who it is. There's speculation. could be Barnabas. Barnabas, when you see Barnabas many times over, he's always encouraging, is he not? Amen. Maybe it's someone like that or who Whatever the case may be, notice he used the word yoke fellow. Amen. That yoke fellow is that, uh, it's an agricultural term. Many of you... Uh, remember or or, or have heard of the days when they plowed with mules. My dad uh, plowed uh, with mules and uh, he would tell me stories about mules and and, uh, uh, they were very interesting stories, but they would have a yoke and uh, they would put them together and they would work together plowing the field. That's the term that Paul's using here. By the way, it's a term that still can be used today. That is exactly what we are. We are yoke fellows. We are working together. But what happens is, if we're not working together, division will take place. If this one wants to go that way or this one wants to go that way, the fields will not get plowed. My dear friend, I'm telling you, we need to understand if we're not working together, the plow is not going to bring up fertile soil and we're not going to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, is our purpose for being here, to evangelize the lost and to edify the body, right? That's the purpose. That's the two purposes of the church. Now, I know there's other things that incorporate uh, with church. I understand all of that. But we know for sure the two primary purposes is evangelism and edification. And if we don't do it together, it will not get done. And so here he says, uh, and refers to them, uh, and he calls in these yoke fellows. But I want you to uh, not only look at the division, I want you to look in Philippians chapter 1. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse number 27 very quickly. I'm going to paraphrase, but I want you to see it in your uh, Bibles. He he says, uh, "Stand fast." Is that what he says? This is okay. You can. It's okay. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Why is this so hard? I mean, okay. So it says, "Stand fast." Now, have we not seen this word before? We see it in Ephesians at least four times, right? What does it mean? It means that we are to stand fast. We are to, st- uh, to claim what has already been won, right? Okay, now in, 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 the, in Philippians, it says, stand fast. Now, notice he says, how do you stand fast? By being in one spirit, right? One spirit. But by the way, We usually don't have any problems with the one spirit. We all know that we came by the way of the cross, right? We all know that we got saved the same way, by grace. Through His wonderful, marvelous grace, we were saved. Okay, That's not where we'll start uh, having some differences. Here's where division will start to eat. He says, we are to stand fast in one spirit and in one mind. A double-minded man is unstable, the Bible says. Right? Okay, what's this? And so we're standing fast, one spirit. We all got there. We're all on equal playing ground, right? But here's where we have problems with the one mind. The Bible says we are to have the mind of Christ. I'm telling you, there's a lot of problems that can be taken care of if we just have the mind of Christ. Are y'all? Are, 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 I'm, I'm telling you the truth tonight. If we have the one, if we have the mind of Christ, that no matter what's going on, here's what I've come to understand. I mean, and, and here's what Paul's been talking about. This he says that we're to be more Christ-like, right? He says you're maturing in your faith to be more Christ-like. And so whatever comes in, maybe if I have a difference with uh, someone, uh, if we're not careful, division starts to take in. But you know what? We can take care of a lot of problems when both parties involved or however many parties are involved that we just have this mindset. I want to be more Christ-like in this thing. Take care of our problem, would it not? And so here we understand the Bible is quite clear. Paul said it this way. That's the reason why we need to have every thought captive. Because that's Satan's battleground. If it can get you in here, it'll eventually get you here. And if it gets you here, it's going to get you out here. And so he says that we are to stand fast. One spirit, one mind, doing what? To strive our separate ways? No. Strive together, together for the faith. I'm telling you, division can be taken care of if we just take basic, fundamental, Bible principles have the mind of Christ working together as co-laborers for the prize that's before us. Okay? Now, so we, we move on now. And so we see uh, if we're not careful, we can be defeated. Now, but notice the succession here. Notice how this is planned. First of all, he talks about defeat, right? He said don't be defeated because... When you start to be defeated... By the way, you'll know, you'll know that you're heading towards defeat if you start having division. Are, are you seeing how this is wrapping out? Okay, so, so if we're not careful, we've got to understand that we're in this thing together, the, that we're, we're yoke fellows together, then when, when we do have division, this is how we dissolve division. Are you with me? Having the mind of Christ... Understanding we're striving together, not for my agenda, not for your agendas, not for anybody's agendas, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is the agenda of the Lord Jesus Christ? To evangelize the lost and edify the saints. Okay? And so, then he moves on and he says, if we don't get this division uh, under wraps, then the next thing that we'll see is that we're going to have discouragement. Look look at verse number 4. Y'all okay? Some of you are. Verse number 4, if I can find it. It's right after verse number 3. That college education paid off, didn't it? He says, rejoice in the Lord when everything's going good. When everybody's happy, everybody's smiling at one another. Everybody's sending those sweet little texts that has the smiley faces on them. No, that's not what it says. It says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." And again, say, "I say, rejoice." Now, all right, we're running this race. We're in it together. We have the mind of Christ. We're yoke fellows, And we have only one purpose and one thing that's on our minds. Finishing for the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay? So now he says, if you don't get... If you don't watch it, defeat starts setting in. And when you're defeated, then you're going to be divided. But then if you become uh, divided, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to be discouraged. Because as we're running this race, we understand that not everything's hunky-dory and not everything's a rose garden. Not are things where you wake up in the morning and you're smelling the coffee and the sun's shining and, you, and you're thinking, oh, this is a wonderful day. There's some days you're going to say, instead of good morning, oh, Lord, it's morning. And where's my coffee? And then you're grumpy and you're hateful and you're saying, I don't know why I have to go back down there. You mean, well, I don't want to go to that church. I don't want to go back to church. I don't want to go back to church. It reminds me of a, a man and his wife, and he was one Sunday morning and running late, and she says, honey, she says, hurry up. we got to get ready. we got to go to church. And he says, I'm not going today. She says, well, why not? She, he says, because nobody down there likes me. They talk about me. They're texting about me. They just don't like me. I'm not going. She says, you've got to go. And he says, give me one good reason. She said, you're the pastor. <laughs> there's some days like that. All right, what do you mean? You're on staff. you got to show up. But there's days when we just don't feel like showing up. But I'm telling you, even in those days... The Bible tells us Paul's encouraging rejoice. Amen. Now, why are we rejoicing? We can rejoice when we take our eyes off the circumstances and put them back up on the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Now, uh, here's a verse. I, I found this. verse. I love this verse. I want you to turn to Philippians. Look at uh, verse number one, uh, chapter number one. Look at verse number four. He says, always, rejoice always. Now, how can you rejoice always? In Philippians 1 4, it says, You can rejoice always because you're always praying. Y'all didn't get that. You can rejoice when you're praying. Y'all still didn't get it. You can rejoice always if you're always praying. So then he goes on. But here's the verse I came across. I love this verse. It's in Habakkuk. Don't worry about turning there because half of you won't find it. <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. And I'm paraphrasing here. Habakkuk, it says, When the figs are not blossom, and when the, the grapes are not growing on the vines, and when the olive trees are not producing, and when the crops are, are, are all dried up in the fields, and when the flock is gone. Now, I, now, understand the context here. He's talking about his whole life is gone. There's no food. There, 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 there's no way to make a living. He's, he's lost everything, okay? Okay. The, the, the stock market has crashed. He's lost his 401K. The retirement's gone. The house is gone. Foreclosures are setting in. He says, when it's all gone, rejoice. Amen. But how can you do that? Keep on reading Habakkuk. It says, I can rejoice because He's the God of my salvation. <laughs> Isn't that good? When I mean, when it's all gone... You still got Jesus. And so here, we might say, you know, I don't understand how this is going to come out. I just don't understand. I'm, I'm tired of running. I'm, I'm tired of having to stop and get first aid because my knees are all battered and bruised. I, you know, I'm, I'm done all. I, I'm just, I just want to quit. You can't quit. And by the way, if you pray, it's amazing. If you're praying, how better things start looking. By by the way, you got somebody that you have an offense against. Somebody that you just hadn't seen eye to eye. I found this out, personally speaking. I'm not going to tell you who it was or anything like that, and I'm not going to give you all the details. But I started praying for them. It's amazing to me how they started getting their act together. Some of y'all prayed that same prayer, hadn't you? Folks, I'm telling you, prayer, remember building the wall? What's the first thing that Nehemiah did? Got down on his knees. He got down on his knees. Listen, folks, could it be that's what this church needs to be doing, not trying to figure out all the other stuff, but we just need to get on our knees with one accord, with one mind, and understanding that I want to be more Christ-like. Don't pray for the ones next to you. I mean, I'm not saying never pray, up, but I'm saying pray for you. Pray, Lord, I want to be more Christ-like. I want to rise above. I'm tired of being status quo. I'm tired of being an average Christian. I'm tired of of, of, of putting my life in different compartments as we talked about. I just want to be more Christ-like. I'm telling you without a shadow of a doubt, if we really got serious and if we really prayed like that and we continue to pray like that and we continue to pray like that, Lord, I want to be more Christ-like. I want to be more Christ-like. I want to be more Christ-like. I'm telling you, we will see God move. He will manifest himself. Because the Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people. Folks, this is not praising personalities. This is praising King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who spoke the universe into existence, the one who came down out of the portals of heaven and knocked on my heart's door and came into my life and I've never been the same before. I praise him for what he's done. I want to be more like Jesus. I'm telling you, if we had that same mindset, we would see things whopping. happen. That we couldn't explain. But then he goes on. Look at verse number five. And as you turn into verse number five, we're gonna see. But before we get to that, I want Nehemiah. We've been talking about Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter eight, verse number 10, he said, Now remember, Nehemiah's building the walls. We're gonna look a bit later on about all the problems that he encountered by building the wall. So we're coming to the latter part of Nehemiah's story. And he says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. People say, well, Brother Mike, you're always kind of chipper, you know, and don't seem like things bother you. Just come... Spend a night at my house and you'll have a different opinion of me. I know y'all don't do this, but sometimes I got to vent. Donna's got to the point to where she doesn't pay me any attention anymore. and So I go to the dog. (laughs) And I'm venting on the dog. And the dog's looking at me like, what did I do? (laughs) But sometimes we vent, don't we? There's a song. It's a song that goes back some time. It says, The warrior is a child. It talks about this girls singing, and everybody's saying, Oh man, you've, you've got it together. And now man, you I know you're going through difficulty, but you've always seemed to, you've always seemed to be always cheerful like that. And in the song, she says, You don't understand. I go to the Lord. For he is my strength, Amen. folks. Our joy doesn't come from how things are doing here. Our joy comes from the Lord, Amen. and if our joy is coming from the Lord, he'll give us strength. Amen. But so we're in verse five, and we're, we're going to wrap it up. Y'all, y'all still good? Everybody good? Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Okay. So. We we see here that the joy of the Lord. Now we move in to the last the last, and as we're talking about joy, he tells us, "Here's what we need to keep our eyes on." Now, what do we keep our eyes upon? We keep our eyes upon that we don't have to be so defensive. Okay, now how do we do that? Well first of all we understand what James chapter 3 verse number 17 says. In 3 uh, in, in James 3:17 it talks about wisdom godly wisdom. Now here's what godly wisdom will produce. Purity it will produce gentleness it will produce peace and it will produce mercy. Godly wisdom So when we're going through what we have to go through as we run in our race, we need wisdom. We need godly wisdom. But notice here, he says, this is how you are to treat all men. That word moderation in the King James, you can put gentleness in it. Now, stay with me. We're running a race. We're careful that we're not defeated. We understand that the victory has already been won. Next D, that we have to encounter is division. And I understand that I can work through division if I have the mind of Christ. If I'm not careful, I'm going to get discouraged. Things ain't going the way I want them to go. But I can work through that because I don't have my eyes down here, but I have my eyes up there. And then we understand that if we're going to get through this, we got to have godly wisdom. God is going to have to show us. Let me tell you that again. God is going to have to show us. God is going to have to show us what we need to do when we need to do it and how to do it. That's what Paul's talking about here. But as we look at the picture here, if you will, I'm reminded of the words of Voltaire who was an atheist. And this is His take on life. He says, we are nothing but a bunch of confused atoms lost in the sea of death and sickness. And we are fools when we talk about happiness. Is that not a sad way to view life? But here's what's happened. We might not say the exact words, but if we're not careful and keep our eyes on the prize, we can become as negative as Voltaire who didn't know God. By the way, there's a such thing as a practicing atheist. That's exactly what happens when you claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ, but something doesn't quite fit what you thought needed to go into your race and something that you were not expecting comes into the way and what do we start doing? We start taking matters in our own hands. We start pointing the fingers. We start running the mouth. What we've said is, God, you're not able to handle this. That's exactly what we're saying. And so when we start doing that we will be defeated. We will be divisive. We'll become defensive. Somebody comes and talks to me and we're ready to... Boy, they say one more word. I'm just, I just hope they come and talk to me today. That's exactly what will happen. Paul's telling us, keep your eyes on the prize because the Lord is at hand. Now, I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if this spoke to any of us. But it spoke to me. Because here's what I determined, and we're going to go to invitation. Here's what I determined. I'm going to do what God called me to do. And I'm going to keep my eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to get caught up in all the other mess. I want to please Him and Him alone. And I'm going to do what He's told me to do. And I'm going to do it with joy. I'm going to do it with encouragement because it's a bigger picture. This thing ain't about me, but it's about Jesus.